The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today's message is the conclusion of a message that we posted yesterday by Elder Buddy Abernathy regarding the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Brother Buddy has been preaching a series on the book of Revelation, which is a very misunderstood book in much of the religious world. However, Brother Buddy has shown us clearly that the book of Revelation should be cherished by God's children, especially those who are in persecution. Following the song, we'll have the conclusion of Brother Buddy's message from the book of Revelation, chapter 1.
Now, verse 12. John says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, I think this is interesting. Notice he says, I turned to see the voice. I've never saw a voice, have you? You can't see a voice. So there must be some interpretation here that we may not see at first. Because we know that we don't actually see a voice when somebody speaks. We hear a voice. But I saw this point this morning. Notice this. I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned... I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, I'm not guessing at this. He'll specifically say later in this chapter that the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches. What is the main thing, really the only purpose a candlestick serves is to hold a candle that gives light. And obviously this is referring to spiritual light, isn't it? Paul said that, that, uh, that life and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. And that doesn't just apply to the gospel. It applies to any and everything in the Bible. The Bible brings light. You remember in Proverbs, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Where is God's word and truth preserved? Is it in a college? Is it in a seminary? Seminaries are often the very place there's corruption. Where the virgin birth is denied. Where the resurrection is denied. The Lord only promised to perpetuate and preserve truth through the church. I believe it's 1 Timothy 3.15 he told, Paul told Timothy, one of the reasons I'm writing to you is that you might know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And then notice this, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the foundation of the truth and it's the support of the truth. So let's put this together with Revelation 1.12. He heard a voice, and just like we would, we turn around to see who it is. Yesterday at Brother Tim's house, and I won't name names, but somebody tapped me on the back, and evidently, as they went that way, I went this way, and they weren't playing around with me. They were truly trying to speak to me. The problem was they were so short, I was looking over you see, when we hear a voice, you just naturally turn to see who it is. Well, here's a voice that he says, I saw. What does he mean by that? Well, the very next, uh, the second half of verse 12 says, being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. You know what that's saying? God speaks to his people primarily through the church. Paul makes that very clear in Titus uh, chapter 1 
And I just want to get a phrase there. I believe it's verse 2. He says, God hath manifested his word through preaching. Now there was a time when uh, certain denominations, one in particular, would chain the Bible to the pulpit. In other words, you don't need to read it. We'll tell you what it says. I'm not suggesting that. As a matter of fact, it was said of those Bereans in the book of Acts that they were more noble, they were more excellent than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. I don't want you to take what Brother Chris and I preach and just automatically assume it's the truth. Now, I hope you'll have confidence in us. I hope you're not always saying, well, I can't believe what they say. i got to always be checking them out. But we don't need to go in the other ditch either and say whatever they say, it's the truth. No, the way to approach your life as a member of the church in terms of the preaching is to search the scriptures whether these things are so. The first church I served, I preached one time and gave the definition of a particular word in terms of what the Greek word from which it was translated meant. Now in the old days before computers and smartphones, and we thought this was a great thing, and it was, we used the Strong's Concordance. And that was just a book where you could look up any word in the Bible and it would list everywhere that word was used and there would be a number beside that word and you go to back the back of the book and look up that number and it would give you the Greek word from which that English word was translated and it would give you the meaning of it. One day when I preached, I looked up that English word in the back of the concordance and gave the meaning. After church in the lunchroom, an older sister in the church who was very well read in the Bible said, Brother Buddy, you looked up the wrong number. Now how many would catch that? She saw I'd looked up the wrong number and therefore I gave the wrong definition. See, she was searching the Scripture. And in that case, she just searched one word and realized I had made a mistake. Sometimes it's just a slip of the tongue. One of the preachers yesterday, and I don't mean this critically at all, because I do it probably all the time. Like a preacher's wife said one time, well, he had, uh, my husband had uh, Jonah on the ark and uh, Noah in the whale's belly. You know, we make mistakes sometimes. Well, this preacher said twice Jesus when he meant to say Satan. Nobody got upset. They knew he just didn't mean to say that. But there's sometimes even when we're trying to preach truth that we may get something wrong, may say it wrong. Charles Spurgeon, who didn't believe all the truth, he didn't understand all that what I believe is the truth regarding salvation was one of the most eloquent speakers I know of. 
If you've ever read some of his writings, he just had such a command of the English language. There was a member of his church, he never knew who it was. Every Sunday they would uh, put a piece of paper on the pulpit after he left and they would, they would have on that piece of paper all the grammatical errors that he made. He didn't take offense at that. He said, they're helping me do better. When I first started preaching, I used the word ain't a lot from the pulpit. I had somebody write me a letter. An English teacher wrote me a letter. I didn't take offense at that. They were telling me that that could be a hindrance. Now, I know that if a man preaches in the spirit, he can make all kinds of grammatical errors and you still love it. I'm not trying to be a master uh, public speaker. That's not my goal. But what my goal is, that nothing about Buddy Abernathy's way of speaking would take your focus off the Lord. I want to get me out of the way. And getting me out of the way involves, among many other things, trying to speak clearly and correctly. John heard a voice. He turned around and he saw seven candlesticks. The voice was the Lord. And interesting, when he listened to the voice, he saw seven candlesticks, which we'll know for sure later represents the churches. So the point I'm trying to get across to you is the truth of God is housed in the church among the body of baptized believers where he calls men from different walks of life to preach and they are accountable and answerable to the other ministers in the church. That's the way God works. You see, if I began preaching a false doctrine, it wouldn't be just Brother Chris that came to me about it. Probably that afternoon, at least within the next week, I'd get calls from preachers all over the place saying, Brother Buddy, I heard that you preached this. Is that so? Now that's the way it ought to be handled, isn't it? Because what you hear may not be true. Elder Shannon Whip told me yesterday that when he, when he first started preaching, before he ever married... One church didn't preach him because it was told he had two living wives. You know, and he, he didn't even have two living girlfriends. He certainly didn't have any, two living wives and he was a young man that had never been married. Things can be circulated that are blown all out of proportion. Now look at verse 13. And in the midst, that means not only in the middle of, but permeating throughout. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Now, the candlesticks are the churches. But here's the most important thing. The most important thing is the Son of Man, referring to Jesus, who is in the midst of the churches. If He removes His manifest presence,
providential presence. You know, we say, well, the Lord's everywhere present and nowhere absent. That's true. But you may not feel His presence. There's places I could go that I wouldn't feel the Lord's presence. And if you go to a kind of place like that, you need to leave that place. You know, the Lord was in the whale's belly with Jonah. He was there, but it wasn't a place where it was enjoyable to be in the Lord's presence. When it says the Lord is in the midst, that means He's among us. He's in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And then it describes Him. Now we'll just, may not cover all of these, but let's just look at at least part of it. Notice how it describes the Son of Man. Clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Now He had a long robe and about right here, like the high priest, Right in here, he had a golden girdle. Now, I believe the idea here is that Jesus is the great high priest. See, those high priests didn't wear a girdle that was just all solid gold. He's, Jesus is the great high priest. And as the high priest, he's our intercessor when we pray as a church and individuals. We don't go through a man here on earth. Any man here on earth is no different than you. The reason he dies, the reason any man that claims to be the middle man between you and God, the reason he dies is because you're a sinner just like him. Jesus is our intercessor. He's our great high priest. We're told to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need. Then the next thing. It says his head and his hairs. Were white like wool. As white as snow. One of the names of Jesus is the ancient of days. See that indicates. Wisdom. You know the Bible speaks about the wisdom of man. In Job 32 and 9, it says something to this effect. Uh, that with the ancients, now I'm not quoting this just right, you look it up, Job 32 and 9. Let me just turn to that since I hopefully am quoting the correct location. Uh, you know, I'm trying to memorize some verses, but it's sure a lot harder when you're in your late 50s. I believe it's 32 now. Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. That's just saying just because you're old doesn't necessarily mean you're wise. You can't ask young people to heed your advice just because you're older than they are. You better make sure that what you're telling them is the truth. You know, in Titus chapter 2, Paul tells the older women to teach the younger women. I've actually heard older women teaching younger women to pursue things that are not biblical. You better make sure what you're teaching is biblical because the Lord will hold you accountable for misleading somebody. So Job says, 
great men are not always wise, neither do the age understand judgment. In Proverbs, it says, uh, the hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. So men, that is older men, ought to be wise, but that's not always the case. But it is the case with Jesus. Jesus is not an old man. But this is a revelation that John saw. And the idea is, as Paul said in Colossians, in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's the ancient of days. You want to find the solutions to your problems? Go to what the ancient of days has revealed to us in his word. And then thirdly, His eyes were as a flame of fire. Now you know how your eyes work? Light goes into your eyes and that gives you perception. You know how it works with Jesus? Light goes out and he dissects what you're thinking and what your motives are. Now, it's wonderful that Jesus dwells among us, but it can also be fearful. Now, he knows our thoughts wherever we are, but I believe we're held even more accountable in the church because that's where he manifests his presence. You see the logic of that? Now, notice this. In uh, Hebrews... Hebrews chapter 4, his eyes are like a flame of fire. His eyes pierce. Uh, Superman doesn't compare to Jesus. Superman, you remember, had x-ray vision. That doesn't compare to Jesus. Listen to this. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Now, most ministers in the religious world believe this is referencing the written word of God. But if you just read the next couple of verses, it's obviously not referring to the written word of God. It's referring to the living word, Jesus Christ. You remember in John 1, uh, it said uh, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory uh, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. The word there is obviously Jesus. 1 John 5, 7 says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Obviously, that's referring to Jesus. You'll see it's even more obvious here. Verse 12 of Hebrews 4, For the Word of God is quick. That means living. The Word of God is quick and powerful. In other words, We'll see in the next phrase, it can cut through anything. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, a, a two-edged sword pierces and separates. Notice this, sharper than any two-edged sword, <clears throat> piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit 
You know, studying the Bible, I've always had trouble separating soul from spirit. Can you look at your own self and in your understanding separate soul from spirit? They're two different entities. But it says Jesus separates soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow, using a, uh, a, a, a term referring to physio- human physiology, he says it separates the joints and marrow. Listen to this now. This is where he really makes practical application. Is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Now this can cause fear or it can cause reassurance depending on how you're behaving yourself. Notice what he says. The Word, which is Jesus, is a discerner. He knows about, he recognizes, he understands your thoughts and intents. He knows your motives. You want to have peace as you face conflict in life? Memorize this verse and prioritize honoring the Lord regardless of how other people treat you. I believe it's in the next verse. We'll, we'll read, yeah, we'll read this in the next verse. But first of all, he's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If everybody's against you, if everybody misunderstands why you did something, if, every, if everybody believes something about you that's not true, if you can say, well, the Lord knows my thoughts, the Lord knows my intents, I can go to bed tonight and I feel close to the Lord. That doesn't mean it won't bother you that other people are upset with you, but I tell you, it's better to be at peace with the Lord than to try to be at peace with men by compromising what's right. I I love that teaching. That He's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, if I'm trying to rebel against the Lord and get what I want done by manipulating other people. This verse doesn't bring comfort because the Lord knows that too. But listen to the next verse. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight. Listen to this. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Now that can be a scary thing, couldn't it? When it says, with whom we have to do, that's just making reference to the fact that you're born of the Spirit. You have a real spiritual relationship with Him. That's what He means when He says, with whom we have to do. And it says, with regard to you, with regard to your soul, with regard to your spirit, with regard to you as a person that lives in a physical mortal body. Everything about you, separate and apart from your physical mortal body. Of course, we know the Lord understands all that. But what he's saying here is everything about you as a person is naked 
and open. Now hopefully that will motivate you to say, if I'll just strive to honor the Lord, things will be all right. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.